back them dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Help Bill Boy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. Today's episode is a discussion on the 2014 Tommy Lee Jones joint, The Homesman. Meryl Streep is only in this movie for a few minutes, but we did this movie and reviewed it anyway and had a good time talking about it. As always, I invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That really does help. We appreciate the reviews that have come in so far. I also invite you to check out my YouTube project, The Song A Day Project, all one word squished together, The Song A Day Project on YouTube, and check out Merrill's theater company, NeverlandTheaterCompany.com. Ready to start the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. How are you this morning, Meryl McNally? I'm good. I want to start the show by saying that I've been sick this week, so if my voice is more congested than normal, I apologize, but it's the way it is right now for me. I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. That's so miserable. It is. I, I almost never get sick. So when I do, I'm like out for the count. I become, you know, it's the cliche of like, you know, the man, a man getting sick and having like a cold and it just falls apart. But I am that stereotype, I think. (laughs) But what have you been up to this week? I think that happens to me as well. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard getting sick. But what have you been up to this week? Um... This week, I am getting ready to open a new law office with a partner, which is, so we're, you know, getting all the technical stuff taken care of so we can open our doors. And then um, um, the theater company had its first rehearsal for its new show, Something Wicked This Become, so I went and sat in on that, although I'm not in charge of this one, which is excellent. And then I just worked. Okay. I went to I went to an amazing museum party last night. Our local museum decided to do an after um, an after hours party to give um, you know young professionals and you know access to the museum after hours. They had food and drinks and did museum tours and and art projects and it was so fun. Cool. It was really cool. All right, so the question yeah. I want to know, which is worse, opening a law firm or opening a show? Oh, oh worse. <laughs> um, opening a show is more intense, for sure. Opening a law firm is sort of, you know, it's kind of drudgery when you're talking about getting your malpractice insurance in place and your operating account and your, and your uh, business entity formed and... You know, all that stuff is pretty dull. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with opening a law firm. Okay. Opening a law firm is worse. That is the answer I would expect. Yeah. But I can, yeah. you know, it's it's hard, both of them. Cool. Have you, um, have you watched anything over the last uh, week or so since our last episode that has been interesting to you? I went to see Wind River. Oh, what is that? With, um, it's, um, it's. It's I think it's Ty Sheridan's directorial debut. He wrote Cario and Hell or High Water. Oh, wait. Is this the one with uh, Elizabeth Olsen? Yes. Okay. And Jeremy Renner. Yeah. You know, he kind of reminds me of um, of John Ford a little bit in that his films are so distinct and tell really unique stories about life in Western particularly southwestern america and it almost feels like a trilogy interesting sicario and hell or high water even though it's a completely different story it's about um a young woman who's murdered on um, an indian reservation in wyoming um and it's not 
Script-wise, I don't think it's quite as strong as Sicario and Hell on High Water, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's beautifully done, and it has beautiful performances. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I really, I, I enjoyed it. I really like Elizabeth Olsen. I really think she's um, really good. She's amazing. Yeah, she's really, really good. Yeah, she did a really great, she did a really, really great job in that. And, um, uh, you know, the focus is on kind of on Jeremy Renner's part. You know, he's got a lot more backstory than, than she does, which is, you know, no surprise in, in a Hollywood film. Um and she does just beautiful things with it, you know? Yeah, cool. Well, I'm excited to see that. I think that may be somewhat limited. Maybe maybe not. I, I guess I haven't looked. I haven't heard anything about that movie playing around here. But um, I like Sicario and Hell or High Water very much. So I would like to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you'd enjoy it. It's, um, it, I, I think the only, the only flaw I will mention right now is that it... Um, Hmm. Um, just the way he, the way he he wraps up the film, I think, is a little chop, choppy and abrupt. Um, but it's beautifully filmed and beautifully acted, and wonderful characters. And um, yeah, I, I would recommend it to anybody to go see. Cool, cool, very nice. Yeah. How you have you? What have you been up to? Um, six. Yeah, I've been sick. Um, I've also been shooting an episode of House Hunters for HGTV, which has been an interesting combination yeah. of things. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. It's been very long shoot days. It's been very fun. I, I've enjoyed the experience. But um, And actually, we've only done a few days of filming so far. Um, we've only done three days. And uh, so I wasn't sick the first day. It kind of came on the second day. So it's been okay. Um, you know... Uh, I was supposed to be playing in Phoenix this weekend, but because of House Hunters, I ended up rescheduling that those shows. And um, so I, it's nice to have a weekend mostly off on my end. Um, mm-hmm. Last night, um, I was given tickets because uh, I know somebody who is in his band to see a, a, an amazing singer-songwriter named John Prine. I don't know if people out there know who John oh. Prine is, but... He's 70 years old. He's he's a legendary singer-songwriter. He's he's probably in the Bob Dylan tradition of you would know a lot of his songs, but he's never really been played on the radio kind of guy. He's got um yeah. he's got a voice that some people including myself love and other people don't. Um but anyway, so I went to see his his show here in the Twin Cities because I I know his guitarist and um, it was amazing. I mean, it's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And I was so happy to see that because he's been getting kind of over the last few years, I think he's had some kind of up and down health problems and he's been getting some kind of middling reviews for his, for his live show and saying, you know, he was kind of, his voice was suffering and, he he just sounded as good as ever last night and he was dancing around and like really he seemed to be really into the show and you know he filled a big auditorium full of a couple thousand people and it was just really great so um i know this is not you know the john prine podcast but go see john prine he's just amazing yeah. it was really great so oh, wow yeah. yeah um that was that's been the highlight of my week for sure um, I did see I love experiences like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Um, I, I did see a couple things. I didn't see anything in the theater, but I did see two things that I wanted to mention one, because it has a tangential, it actually has a couple tangential things to this podcast and the other one does too. But, um, the first one that I saw was, was snatched the Amy Schumer, Goldie Hawn, uh, comedy. Oh, um, how do you feel about uh, Amy Schumer, Meryl? Oh, you know, I I'm a little bit ambivalent. I um, it, you know, I I like so much what she's done for women in comedy, and she's certainly high profile, and that makes you a target. I, you know, I tried to watch her her um, comedy special. Um, oh, the one she I think she did it at the Apollo. It's on HBO. Right. And I, um, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. That was a pretty common reaction to that special. Yeah, I, you know, I liked what was the what was the last film she did that was hugely popular? Um, 
Oh, Trainwreck? Yeah, I enjoyed Trainwreck. Yeah. I, I did. I, I, I enjoyed it, and um, I think I, I think she's made... She's very self-deprecating, but I, I she, she probably insults herself a little too much for my taste. Okay. I didn't, um, I didn't mean to put you on I the spot. I think that's my turn off. No, okay. no. No, it's a really good question. I just had to think straight because it's been a while. I mean, that's kind of the thing with her Apollo special, right? Like, she's just so down on herself. Yeah. And I had trouble getting behind that kind of humor because, you know, I don't think anybody should even mockingly be that down on themselves. Like, a certain level of self-deprecation that is good, and then you, like, cross the line into just, <laughs> Uh, so, right. Yeah. But what? 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 Where do you stand on Amy Schumer? You know, I I came across her not in the beginning because I know she well she had been a, of course a working stand up for a while, um, and she kind of broke through on that TV show, the competition one that um, has stand up comics. I think it's called Last Comic Standing. I think was where she broke yeah. through. Um, which I've never seen that show. And then she did a couple of the Comedy Central roasts, which is where I first came across her. And she was so good on those that I got her her record. She had a CD that was new. It was her first record. And I really loved it. And she, st- you know, she started getting bigger and bigger. And then she got the Amy Schumer show, which I don't watch religiously, but I like it when I see it. And I think she's done some really... Yeah, she's done some pretty brilliant work on that. Right. Yeah, she's done some... It's kind of like Chappelle's show in the sense that like, she really did some groundbreaking things. However, um, it's this very complicated and again it's similar to what we talked about in our last episode where I don't want to be the white guy talking about you know somebody else's perspective but you know I think it's it's an interesting look at the possibilities of what it's like to be overexposed in the sense that you know she was really like you know everybody loved her well not everybody but a lot of people really she had a great year where her show was really well received she won an emmy or maybe more than one train wreck came out and it was a massive hit you know she was kind of on top of the world and i wish there wasn't this necessity to take somebody down when they're on top of the world it's almost like people are just waiting for somebody to be knocked down and i don't love that um yeah and I would say that there have been a, a few things that she's done that have almost seemed to me to be self-sabotage in that way. But that may be my perception, and I may be just part of the problem on that. And, and I, I might be not acknowledging the fact that, no, you know, there is a problem. It's the Anne Hathaway for Les Mis thing, where, you know, when somebody is receiving every award out there, there's this, you know... Uh, this need to start disliking them. And it happens more so with women than it does with men, I think. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Amy Schumer right now. I I listened to, I got her audio book and I liked that for the most part. She is a comedian who shares a lot um, it's she's not yeah. she's not everybody's cup of tea in the same way that male comics who share a lot like I would argue Louis C.K. and her have a lot in common, um, and uh, she goes to dark places that are not everybody's comedic uh, you know favorite style maybe, and uh, yeah. she's she's not afraid to go there. There I don't know it's interesting because when she was having that amazing run I remember Meryl Streep being asked who do you want to play Meryl Streep in the Meryl Streep biopic? And do you know that she answered Amy Schumer? <laughs> she really? That's she amazing. Did. Now, that was, again, when Amy Schumer was kind of like the the top of the pack. And I would, I still think yeah. she's, she's, she's very successful, of course, but I think the last year has kind of um, been maybe a little bit down year um, in some ways. So um, there have also been things, like there's been controversy about you know, her demanding the same pay as Dave Chappelle and uh, Chris Rock, which I, I, you know, I guess I don't know enough about that to speak intelligently. That seems to me to be 
a very obvious I'm on Amy Schumer side of that because if that's if it's as simple as I mean yeah. she she maybe isn't she maybe hasn't been around as long as those two but she's as popular as those two you know she's filling arenas just like they are and so I she think it's is. I think it's fair for her to be asking and I don't think I don't think she I think she got more but she didn't get she didn't get the same amount and there was some backlash to that and the the gender pay gap is just still so extraordinary right in Hollywood they just released the the Forbes top paid actors and actresses list and um uh, the 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 gap is mind-blowing yeah yeah, and actually, interestingly, Chris Rock directed that Apollo special, so I'm not sure how that fits in with all of this. But um, getting back to Snatched, uh, the the other yeah. con- the other connection, of course, is that Goldie Hawn, who was in Death Becomes Her with Meryl Streep, um, you know, I liked the movie. I didn't think it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, okay, so here's the other thing. This is the other reason I wanted to talk about two things. I feel like I've been saying this exact same thing for the last like four or five episodes we've done. I feel like I've been really ambivalent about a lot of things and Snatched is that for me. I would recommend it as a renter. I don't think you need to run out to get it, but I think you should support it. I think it is something that, you know, we should be supporting women making movies. I'd like to support Goldie Hawn making more movies. It'd been 10 years since she was in a movie. So for that reason alone, I was happy to see it. So the the reason I wanted to talk about two things was I also saw something that I want to rave about, something that I loved okay. so much, All right. which was the HBO limited series Big Little Lies. I watched the entire thing uh, over a couple days. It's so good. It's so stupid good. <laughs> I loved it. It was so, so good. So... um has a lot of Merrill connections, you know, uh, Nicole Kidman yep. and Reese Witherspoon are two of the stars. Um, I was probably most impressed with Laura Dern, who I've really had. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've always loved Laura Dern, but over the last 10 years, I've really come to love Laura Dern so much. She's another one who's worked her way into my top you know, the very, very top of why isn't she working more? Why isn't she getting nominated yeah. every single year? She's just so good all the time. And Shailene I'm Woodley is good too. There. I think Laura Dern needs to be our next, uh, our next spotlight. I would love that. Whenever we do it. I would love yeah. that. Love that. She's my pick. Cool. Let's do it. We'll plan that. We'll we'll wait a few episodes. We'll give we'll give you all some Meryl yeah. movies, but we'll we'll get to Laura Dern yeah, soon. Yeah, Mer- Meryl needs some. Meryl needs some attention. Yeah. Um, Shailene Woodley is fantastic in this, too. She's another one who I have really uh, come to think she might be one of the really special ones of, of um, you know, she's probably 10 years younger than me. I was going to say our generation, but she's probably 10 years younger than me. So maybe she's not yeah. in my generation. But um, she's she's really great. You know, I her, her projects have been... Um, interestingly picked in the sense that I'm sometimes not in the demographic of the movie she chooses and that's fine that's not a problem um but when I do see her in something she's just really good and um so fantastic yeah so um I feel like I'm forgetting something about that one. Oh, you know there are some um that one has some pretty brutal emotional and physical abuse which I think is important to uh-huh. note um it, it's really it, it's it's essential to the storytelling, uh, but it doesn't mean it's easy to watch or fun to watch. So um, right. while I'm throwing this out there as a, this is really well made, I think it's fair to say that that might be a trigger warning for, for some people too, and, and fairly so. But um, if if that's something that you're able to, to handle from a storytelling point of view, I think it's just really well made and really well done. So um, I think the Emmys are coming up within a week or so. So it'll be interesting. I know that's pitted against feud that Jessica Lange, uh, Susan Sarandon and, um, you know, thing. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of what ends up on top is, isn't it interesting how sometimes now the TV award stuff is kind of more interesting than the film stuff right now. So much more, so much more because you know, there's this trend in film, you know, the Oscar bait movies, they're, they're bio, and epics 
and you just kind of know what you're going to get, and you can tell what the Weinsteins have decided are Oscar bait and what they're going to campaign for, <laughs> and, and you know, it's the same. It's the same every year, and every once in a while, it's like the mic comes up. That's just so stunning and different and and beautiful, but. It's, it's all on TV because it's more interesting character development. I mean, they're not big action flicks. Or, I, they, I think TV is about the storytelling right now, telling interesting stories. And I think people go into making films sometimes with the idea that it's going to be Oscar bait. You know, it's, it feels like purposeful emotional manipulation. And I know I'm making overgeneralizations, of course, and there are, are films like Moonlight out there, but TV is, TV is where it's at. Right. Well, and it's certainly where the most interesting female roles are, you know, which is probably Hands the... Down. Pro- yeah, this is, and that's the primary objective of this podcast. Um, to to bring another connection uh, from Big Little Lies, I found myself thinking, because um, you know, one of the projects that Meryl has in her upcoming thing is a, is a limited TV thing. It's called the, I think it's right. called the Knicks, that J.J. Abrams thing, which we haven't heard anything about since it was announced. And I found myself as I was watching Big Little Eyes going, man, I hope that happens because um, right. I, you know, I, I can't wait for the papers. I'm just dying to see the papers. The other ones that she's me done, too. the Mary Poppins one. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, that's not really for me and that's fine. I'm sure it'll be, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, Mama Mia 2. Yeah, you know, again, I'm I'm not the target demographic. I'm on record as not being a big musical fan. Um, so I found myself going, man, I hope the Knicks is next. Although she's also done three movies now, pretty much back to back. So I also am wondering if maybe a break is in the cards after she's done with yeah. Mamma Mia 2, which is fair too. Um, but I hope the Knicks happens because... TV man, it's just where it's at. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I would love, I just love to see Meryl in a television project. Right, when she can develop a character over, you know, what Big Little Lies was was short. It was only seven episodes, so sometimes it's you know six episodes, sometimes it's ten or twelve or fourteen. I don't know what the plan with the Knicks is. I am somewhat heartened because I did see that there have been there was like a showrunner added to the show. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, that's usually oh. a sign that it's yeah. wheels are somewhat in motion. So, um, I'm hopeful. Did I, have I told you, this is about Big Little Lies. I went to, I went to high school in Monterey. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did know that. Yes, yeah. I did know that. Yeah. So they, they captured, uh, they, they captured the vibe up there really well. Did they? <laughs> they did. I think that I think that's something that's so special about that show is that um, I, who wrote it? Who wrote the screenplay? You know, it's really hard as a writer to capture the the nuance and the gray area of being human. You know, our inclination when we sit down to write something on paper is to try and make sense of something, and I, I think often we gravitate towards a black and white. Um, uh, approach to ourselves and telling stories. And I think people shouldn't underestimate how difficult it is to capture how murky it is <laughs> to be alive, just to capture that on paper. And then to have actors brilliant enough to capture it on camera. It's just such a challenge. It's so beautifully done. And I think, um, especially for women, I mean, women are so often uh, two-dimensional on paper, and it's very difficult to life, and so many actresses spend their careers making something out of nothing. And I feel like on Big Little Lies, and obviously other projects do this as well, but on Big Little Lies, they were given something. Right. Something really substantial, and, and it's... Oh, they're, they're magnificent. It's like if you give the material to these brilliant actresses, look what they can do with good material. Right. As opposed to, oh, I'm, um, I'm a girlfriend in this movie. You right. know? Right. Right. 
Um, the writer, I don't know why I blanked on this because I watched all the back, you know, behind the scenes stuff on the DVDs uh-huh. and he was interviewed throughout the whole thing. David E. Kelly, um, who, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, it is based on a novel. I, I don't want to say the name wrong. I think it's Leanne Moriarty, but it could be Lion Moriarty. No, I think it's Leanne. I think so too, okay. but but just in case. Yeah. Listeners can correct us if we're wrong. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's Leanne because I'm fairly certain IMDb doesn't have a picture up or anything. It just says the name, but I'm fairly certain it's um, a female writer anyway who wrote the novel because yeah. Yeah. Um, they were talking about the, the show was such a hit that they, you know, everybody wanted a second season. HBO wanted it. And so they were trying to talk to Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman um, also produced it. And so they're trying to see if the same writer will come up with a, a story basically for for another season of it which i would be all in favor of um yeah nicole kidman is also i saw her on a commercial for um another limited series called top of the lake which they did the first oh, season I'm so excited. yeah they did the first season it feels like a couple of years ago because i watched it i remember it holly hunter was in it yeah which was the main draw for me. I, that's the one with Elizabeth Moss is in that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jane Jane Campion directed it. And right. She is one of my all time favorite filmmakers. Right. Um, I love the piano with Holly Hunter. Oh yeah. And Harvey Keitel, and then um, her other film. She obviously has more than this, but she did another film, Bright Star, oh. with Ben Wishaw and Abby Cornish. That. I, it just you know some I don't think it I don't think it did as well as the piano obviously and it had some negative criticism but it was one of those films you know you just watch a film and it just really grabs you and touches you and that was one of those films for me I have watched it on repeat interesting interesting well even forgive her for yeah. that one she did with Meg Ryan in the cut that oh you know what I um. I was on a Jane Campion kick, and so I went and watched that film, and it's it's very bizarre. So I went and I read the book. Yeah. I read the book in the cut, and it was a really interesting noir book. I see what they were trying to do. just kind mm. of went awry. Yeah. That happens sometimes. It went awry. Yeah, but I loved Hell of the Lake, too. I just love Jane Campion's aesthetic. Yeah. It's a little, so what, I, I don't mean this as an insult, it's an absolute compliment, it's just a little off, mm. right? She has a very sort of strange, magical way of, of telling a story, and it's a very distinct style, and I, it just, hits a chord with me. Cool. I like her. Yeah, no, I like her a lot, too. Um, that might be a good jumping off point to talk about today's movie, which is The Homesman, yes. because the aesthetic of this movie um and an interesting director, although not a female director this time, but Tommy Lee Jones. Um, this is a real, you know, baby for him. He's he stars in it. He directed it. He he helped write the screenplay. This is a this is a labor of love for him. Do you want to go through the plot of this one? Sure. So um, Holly Holly Hunter. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Hillary Swank. <laughs> Hillary Swank uh, plays. Um, a woman named Mary B. Cuddy, who is uh, farming out in, where are they? You know, I was going to ask. They head back to Iowa. Yeah, they started in Nebraska. Nebraska. The first title card says Nebraska, but I don't mean to interrupt you. We'll get we'll get right back into your thing. You're but um, I was watching, again, the back behind-the-scenes stuff on the um, DVD, and they filmed this in New Mexico. They filmed this in your backyard yeah. because Hilary Swank kept talking about how much she, she loved filming there. And I guess she grew up in Nebraska, so she was talking about how how good it felt to be, even though it wasn't actually where she was from, you know, to, it was representing that, so it was nice. Anyway, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, and Tom Lee Jones has made a lot of films in New Mexico. Right. And I remember, I remember when they filmed The Homesman here, for sure. And I, I also remember thinking, ooh, is Meryl Streep in New Mexico? Can I... Um, be creepy and hunt her down. Yeah, so Hillary Swank plays Mary B. Cuddy, who is a single woman in Nebraska farming on her own. And it very much highlights the difficulty of pioneer America, especially for women. And um, she lives in a small community. And three uh, women, 
wives and, and mothers the hardships, their various hardships, essentially drive them mad. And the community is tasked with getting these three women back east to Iowa where, they're, where they can be cared for because they're no longer capable of sort of surviving pioneer life. And um, none of the men in the community will volunteer to take them. And so Hillary Swank's character, Mary B. Cuddy, volunteers. And in the process, she meets Tommy Lee Jones, who's sort of a vagrant drifter character. And she enlists him to help her take these women back yeah. to Iowa. Yeah. That's a basic plot. That's very well. Very well done. Um I'm going to have a hard time talking about this one, I feel like, without some spoilers. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to do it. So everybody just, uh, if you want to see the film and you don't want it ruined, yeah. you know. I don't know, how to, I don't know how to talk about this one critically. About yeah, without, without talking about some of the more important moments in the movie. And I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So yeah, if you, if you feel like you're going to see the movie or don't want it spoiled, just pause this, go watch the movie, and come back. Um, so, what was your overall... This was the first time you saw this movie, right? You had not seen this one before? Yes, I had not seen it before. What was your impression of it? Um, I, I didn't like it. Oh, okay. And that's... Yeah. So, and that's kind of... That's difficult for me to say because you know how I feel about films that have um, female-driven stories. Right. Are and- really important to me. And that aspect of the film... Uh, I appreciate, but I just didn't like it. <laughs> and I know you're How a Western. You? I know you're a Western fan too. I am, I am. And there were there are obviously elements that I think were very well done, right? And things that I really loved about it. Um, but there were just there were just more that I didn't. And maybe it's because I am such a Western fan, and and I know. I know Tommy Lee Jones was not trying to make a Western. Okay. I think he was very much doing a revisionist version, and so it's not, you know, Western is a very particular genre, and people, I think in the last two decades, people have really been playing with the genre and doing revisionist Westerns quite a bit. Right. Um, it wasn't that it, it wasn't that it didn't fit the mold. That's not why, I didn't, I didn't watch it like I would watch a Western. Well, I think one of the fundamental points to make about a western is this in this movie they're going east. You know what I mean? Like they're it's it's kind of right. it's, it's like it tips it. And oh, you know, they're going from Nebraska to Iowa, so it's a little bit splitting hairs, but I think the the idea still might transcend to the overall film in that it's almost taking something about a, a style and a and a genre and like you say playing with it a little bit. Um, and kind of um, yeah, I think in an interview, Tommy Lee Jones said that he kind of approached this like historical fiction, and I think that's more accurate. I felt like I was very much watching um, a snapshot of of life in in America at that time and how difficult it was. And I never it never occurred to me to try to slap a genre on it and define it by the genre, which is a testament to Tommy Lee Jones. Like, yeah, how did you feel about his direction in this movie? I I really love the cinematography. I will tell you the opening shots of what is supposed to be the prairie. Some of that is absolutely New Mexico. It's it's got to be. I can tell by the grass. That's what it looks like where I live, and I find it really beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Um, the sort of rolling grasslands, very few trees. I loved the aesthetic of the film, the starkness of it. It lent itself to the story beautifully. I think what I had trouble with was the script. Oh, okay. Um, I found the film to be very choppy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I want to hear your overall opinion of it, too, before I dig into the details of why I didn't like it. So what okay. did you think of the film? You know, the first time that I saw it, I think I saw this in the in the theater. Actually, I think I saw it with my dad. This is this is the kind of movie that my dad likes, and we've seen. Uh, you know, we okay. went to, we went to see True Grit together, and you know, um, yeah. I, he likes a lot of different kinds of movies, but this is a kind of movie that would that he'd be on board with. And I found myself very moved by it when I first saw it. Um, I now when I rewatched it, I hadn't rewatched it since, but. Um, 
I when I sat down to watch it on DVD, it was a situation where I thought I was going to have the couple hours to sit there and watch the whole thing. And something came up and I wasn't able to do that. So I, I had to do the start and stop thing, which I think is really hard to appreciate a movie when you're stopping and starting it. And I really did intend to watch it all, you know, like once through. Um, so I think that right. that affected it for me a little bit more. I found myself, um, one of my, we were just talking about trigger warnings with Big Little Lies. And I wouldn't say it's a trigger warning necessarily, but one of the things that kind of makes my skin crawl and one of the things that kind of, turns me off even though I recognize that it's an important part sometimes of storytelling is in particular the sound of either people or animals in distress and there's a lot of that in this movie there's a lot of like moaning and a lot of pain and um I don't know if I just didn't, if I was in a different mood the first time I saw it and it didn't affect me, or maybe it did affect me and the movie kind of washed over me in a way that I forgot about it. But um, I found the experience of watching it this time to not be a pleasant experience. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't like the movie, but it wasn't, it wasn't a fun watch for me. And I found myself kind of, I found myself overall less enthused about the movie this time. It, it didn't have anything to do with bad performances or bad direction. I actually really liked Tommy Lee Jones's direction in this movie. Um, I really thought, I, I agree with you about the cinematography. I mean, I think the cinematography in this movie is amazing. And I like a lot of the choices that he made. I'm with you on the script thing. There are a few things that stuck out like, even the even how um, Hillary Swank and Tommy Lee Jones meet initially is just kind of it, it's this very contrived situation. Jarring. Yeah, it's it's not. It, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of unfortunate that they you know she happens to come along you know moments before he would be hung and like saves his life. You know, it's just a it's a movie moment, and I think it took me out of yeah. it in the sense that like it didn't really feel authentic. Um, and so I, there were a few moments like that. Um, I found myself being really um, impressed by the three, the three women, in particular Miranda Otto. I thought was really amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and I loved the cameos. You know, Meryl is in this movie for less than five minutes, but there's a lot of great people like that throughout. John Lithgow, who is another one of my favorites, um, he's in yeah. there. Uh, James Spader, who I like, he's not one of my favorites, but I like him. Um, William Fickner, uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple other people in there too. Um, yes, she's another one who I think is really great. Jesse Plemons has a nice yeah. little role in there. Uh, yeah. Tim, Tim Blake he, Nelson. He, his performance is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a really interesting group of people involved and that always makes it interesting yeah. because it's like there is this section there are a couple of those cameos in the beginning like John Lithgow and Jesse Plemons are right in the in the beginning of the movie and then there's this kind of long sequence where there's you know nobody and then you know again towards the end there's Meryl shows up and Haley Steinfeld shows up and you know a couple other people and yeah. so it's that middle segment where I wouldn't say it drags necessarily but there's I don't know I you know I guess the whole fundamental thing is it's designed to show us how torturous life was for these people. And so that almost makes the experience of watching it torturous. You know, I mean, that's a hard thing to kind of, to, yeah. to rationalize. It's, and it, it, this is hardly the first movement, or sorry, the first movie where um, the, the goal has not been to have a good time. There are lots of movies like that. Uh, but I don't know. There's something about it that makes it a harder watch for me right now than than when I first saw it. So listening to you helps me articulate um, why I don't like this movie. And everybody, everybody, bear with me, right? Because it's it's sort of it's a it's a nuanced it's a nuanced reason. So this film, you know, part of part of what Tommy Lee Jones claims to be doing is showing how difficult it was for women in in you know the West. And um, everybody commended him for that. But the way the script is written, it shows these women being brutalized and driven to psychosis and um, suicide and um, what they're driven to. And, but it's used as a device 
to have a story arc of change for a male character. Right. And, and you know, in, in, in interviews about it, he, he talks about how, you know, in Westerns, women are usually, like, prostitutes with bright colored hair or women in aprons at the, at the sink, which, which is um, not so true anymore, although it has been in the past for sure. And then he made a comment about how hard Hillary Swank um, had worked with the horses and, 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 and mules to really... Um, to be authentic with them on screen, and he made a comment about how most actors, and especially most actresses, would head back to the trailer. And I, and I think that's that's what I feel underlying this film is that it's dressed up like a feminist story, right? And it's not at all. Okay. And films that brutalize women. Uh, for the sake of it, really just, they, they get me. And I, that's sort of driven home with the way he framed the story. So, you know, you're with Hillary Swank, and she's got the first, what, 10 minutes of the movie, and then all of a sudden it cuts to Brenda Otto weeping by a dead cow. And you're like, who is this person? What? Where is this company? Like, you have no idea who the characters are. I thought I had skipped a scene. I had to rewind. Yeah. Because it was such a weird transition. And then it, it did the same thing with the other two women. You know, also, the film starts out, it really is about Hilary Swank. And it's about her journey and what she's doing for these women. And then, spoiler alert, if you're going to watch the movie and don't want to know what happens again, stop the episode and go watch the film. I'm about to give the big... <laughs> yeah, this is you know, the big moment. Then, yeah. This is a big moment in the film. All, all of a sudden, she's committed suicide, and we're left with Tommy Lee Jones to finish out the story. And it just—I had a visceral response to it. Like I got mad. Mm, sure. Because I feel like Tommy Lee Jones. And granted, this this is based off of a book, and I haven't read the novel. And that may very well happen in the novel. Um, and. You know, when you're adapting a novel, you you are constrained by the story. So I'm, you know, I I won't blame Tommy Lee Jones for that. But as a as a audience member for this film, I just kind of like, well, whatever. I don't know why I'm watching this movie. Sure. <laughs> because I had it invested in her journey. Right. Right. I um, I feel like everything you said makes sense. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I had some of the same thoughts. Probably I, I hadn't gone quite as deep as you had. I, I had the same thought too of like, it, to me, it was interesting that Tommy Lee Jones doesn't show up until 20, 25 minutes into this movie. Um, and so like you say, you know, the, the story seems to be on Hillary Swank. And, and so really like she gets the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes without him. And then he gets the last 20, 25 minutes without her. And I think there's something about that kind of mirroring that's supposed to be kind of interesting. Um, I, I will say that, um, one of the things that's most interesting to me about the fact that this movie got made is that there is a lot out there. It, you know, again, it's on the DVD behind the scenes stuff. They talked to, this movie was written by four men. The, the screenplay was written by four men, Tommy Lee Jones being one of them. And um, they talk about the novel. And I saw some sort of other interview with, with somebody somewhere um, where they were talking about how difficult this novel was to translate into a movie. And sometimes you, you look at that and go, okay, well, then why was it translated into a movie? You know, I mean, every once in a while, that question right. needs to be asked. Like, if it was, if this was a story that w there were concerns about it not working on screen, why was it adapted for the screen? You know, like, why not let it stay a book? Um, it's also a movie that Paul Newman tried to, tried to adapt in the eighties and he eventually got frustrated and just stopped trying. Um, yeah. and so there's something about that idea that, that also lends some credence to what you're saying. My, my hope, I guess I shouldn't say I feel because none of these people are people I know or have met, <laughs> but my hope is that because there are so many 
of the great actresses of our time, Meryl being one of them, also Sissy Spacek, if you listen to her audiobook, which I couldn't more highly recommend, Jessica Lange, all of these people who've worked with Tommy Lee Jones rave about him and talk about what a pleasure it is. Uh, Hilary Swank and the behind the scenes stuff talks about, you know, the, uh, what an amazing experience and and not in the like typical kind of like, you know, things that everybody says when they're trying to plug a movie. I mean, it goes years beyond that where people talk about like, you know, the extraordinary performances that he's that he's given and, and like what a great supporting actor he is in a scene with you and and, you know, I think he's just really well-liked by the women. So my hope is that his intention in making this movie was to give Hilary Swank a great part um, and, and to give these three women, one of whom we should mention, we haven't even mentioned that, one of the, the, yeah. three, the three women who goes mad, one of them is Grace Gummer, Merrill's, one of Merrill's daughters. Um, and we should also give credit, so Miranda Otto, and we should also, of course, say the other one's uh, name, which is Sonia Richter. She's, um, I think, a yeah. sh- Swedish actress, maybe? Um, yeah. The, all three of them are wonderful. So, you know, and I like the fact that they he are. that he went with three women who were mostly unknown for that. I th- Miranda Otto, you know, they all have, have done stuff, but they aren't household names. Right. And I, I really appreciated that. He surrounded them, you know, gave them very interesting roles, um, almost silent film performances <laughs> in a way. Um, yes. And, I, you know, he surrounded them with, with these giant marquee names like Meryl Streep and, and Hilary Swank that would guarantee that this movie would get made and and would be released and, and everything. Um, so my hope is that he was hoping to give people an opportunity, um, but yeah, I, I, I can I can t- totally see what you're saying, and that maybe there was a a misstep somewhere along the way. I think there's something about the idea too. The thing that that struck me a little bit about Hilary Swank's character was how desperate she was to be married. You know, that's that's oh, yeah. that's kind of her main it motif was tough for me. Yeah. And there is some. It was really t- I mean, the first scene, yeah, when when she approaches that guy, it made total sense in context. That that last scene before she she goes off into the woods with Tommy Lee Jones, it just it just it struck a really negative note with me. I just couldn't. And that's, I think it's just a personal reaction. Right. Um, but I. And I think maybe it's because Hilary Swank is such a strong actress and that character was such a strong, independent woman, despite the fact that she was tired of being alone and tired of fighting the fight by, by herself. Um, I just had a hard time reconciling how that woman would essentially beg a drifter and a criminal who had left her behind and shown really not much kindness up to that point like essentially beg him to marry her and I don't know I just right I didn't like it I don't I don't mean to just kind of uh piggyback on what you're saying but I think like the idea yeah. too of, of of what you said of the first scene making sense you know when she's when she's asking this this person that she's that she's known for years and has a real fondness, a genuine fondness for, that makes sense, and it it does have a, a tinge of not desperation, but this idea of like this is the way that we're going to survive here. It's it's more of a, a functional um, rationale of of kind of like this is something that needs to happen so that we can both make it. This is how we survive exactly. in the, in these extraordinarily difficult times. Tommy Lee Jones's character has nothing to offer her, you know? I mean, really, in terms of maybe protection, but even then, not not really. And um, right. and so the idea, like you say, of of her her desperation with him, you know, that she would go, well, let's get married. And, and the fact that he essentially rejects her is laughable in that sense because, you know, he... Yeah. It, it, it really is set up in the way of like, okay, if there's a rationale for this, I could understand why she's making a a choice. She's making a decision that will help her, you know, survive. But Tommy, marrying Tommy Lee Jones doesn't help her. It helps him. And so the fact that she is 
so desperate for that to happen is just kind of strange. And then, you know, the... Put- and the choice to have her be fully nude in that scene, too. I, I mean, I'm guessing the choice was, um, you know, based on creating more, more vulnerability for her to build the stakes for what happens the next day. But the whole thing, I just... Oh... I'm just, I'm, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to that sort of male, the, um, a male twisting of a feminist story sure. into something that is just not that. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I didn't feel that that was a, a, a woman's story in that scene. It just was not. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, do you have favorite scenes from this movie? That may be a dangerous question now. Yes, I do. Um, um, I've, I've got a couple. Um, I really I really found it touching when she gave um, when she gave the women water and she gave a little symbol. Yeah. Of water for the doll. I really loved the the scenes with Haley Steinfeld. I well, I think she's a wonderful actress, but there was something um, something very real and touching about her very short performance. Yep. Um, I am a massive fan of, of Hilary Swank. I don't think she gets enough work. What work she does is amazing. A Million Dollar Baby is actually my favorite film of all time. Is it really? It is, and people look at me like like I'm crazy. And uh, I definitely have my reasons for it being my favorite film of all time. But I really think she's magnificent. And I don't... Uh, this film, to me, didn't do her justice. Okay. That's another... Uh, but other favorite scenes... Anything with Miranda Otto? Yeah, she was great. There were moments, less than scenes, there were moments that I found really good. How about you? You know the before I before I answer that question the um, yeah. the strikingness of that scene actually I think I can't remember I think this is Sonia Richter's character when she throws that baby in the in the outhouse. Oh my god! That is no, it's Miranda Otto. Oh, it was Miranda. I couldn't remember which one it was. Yeah. Um, so shocking that moment. You know, I mean, like it's speaking of visceral reactions. Um, you know, there yeah. is an interesting. Uh, parallel here, of course, which is, you know, if it, the million dollar baby thing with Hillary Swank, you know, being directed by again, uh-huh. like an, an older male director with Clint Eastwood in that movie and kind of, um, although that movie is a different beast. I actually, um, I don't know if I should mention this or not, but I, the, cause million dollar baby. Okay. I have this weird blood thing and, uh, there's a scene where she breaks her nose and they, they put it back into place. And, yes. Um, I'm a very queasy person when it comes to medical stuff. And so yeah. I passed out in the theater when that, when that moment happened oh, and, no. and not just that I had a seizure. Um, and what? yeah, this has happened probably three times in my life. Um, and so that movie has a very distinct place in my, for that re- for, for reasons that I, uh, I, yeah, I'm guessing that you will now understand. I can never rewatch that movie. Um, um, yeah, I can understand that. What, although I will say once I came out of it, I did stay and watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> I didn't leave. <laughs> so That's, that you didn't leave. That's insane. Zach. I know it was in London too. It was in London. Um, anyway, there, I know there's all sorts of stuff wow. going on. I know it's a very strange. Um, well, I I will tell you it is my favorite film because I see it when I watched it. What I saw was a really, really beautiful, deeply moving love story, and not in a romantic sense at all. Right. I, I mean, just right. two lost souls who who find each other, and and so that's why it's just with me all of these years and why why it's gone on the top of my list even though I have a zillion favorite movies that one just in particular interesting well that's good to know that's, yeah. that's interesting yeah um yeah. I I'm with you I think I think Haley Steinfeld is really good in this too there's something that like um you know that scene where he gives her the shoes and she just kind of yep. it that moment isn't strange for her she just kind of 
well, yeah, I'm going to take the shoes. I don't know who the hell this creep is, but I'm going to take the shoes. And like, you know, she just (laughs) sits down next to him and gives him a moment of her time. And um, yeah, she really is. She really is good. You know what I love about that scene is that for him, it's this really powerful moment where he's talking about Mary Cuddy. But for her, she doesn't know who Mary Cuddy is. And she captures that so well. Like, what the hell are you talking about, old man? Right. She really is sort of young. She's young Mary Cuddy right. in his eyes, I think, and um, it was cast really well in that regard, and it comes across. Yeah. One of the reviews that I read singled out her performance and said something about how this, that the fact that it was her was a nice little wink towards True Grit, because of course she was in True Grit, too. Um, right. Which I'm not sure if that was a conscious thing or not, but probably was. You know, I mean, it 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 probably was because of True Grit that she was thought of for this. You know, so, um, right. so I'm gonna go with that. Also, the Meryl Streep. You know, we should talk. This is a Meryl Streep podcast, so we should talk about. I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time we talk about Meryl Streep's performance. Yeah. What do you think? I thought she was great. You know, um, she doesn't have much to do, but she's a nice kind of, um authority figure i don't know she's a she's a compassionate presence in the film i i love the moment when she first sees the three women and she has this long extended moment of looking down almost like she can't bear to look at them and yeah she kind of shakes her head as if you know she's all she's almost overwhelmed you know and when she's approaching the the i don't want to say the the wagon that sounds kind of ridiculous but like the idea of like you know when she's approaching them she actually says i'm not sure if i'm ready for this or something i'm not sure if i'm ready to meet them or something like that and um but it's like when she does it's you know she she kind of her character kicks into that like uh you know like we've got to make this happen and they they bring them inside sets them in a parlor and then it's like you know this is we're going to find a way to make this work. And there's a kind of very systematic, uh, very kind of, let's make a list. Let's let's figure out what needs to be done. Let's figure out. She asks a few questions and then, you know, she's with them now. They're, they're in her charge. And uh, I, I liked her performance very much. I wish she had, I, it, it was practical that she was only in a couple minutes of this movie, but it would have been nice to see her in a little bit more. Did you have other thoughts on her performance? Yeah, you know, piggybacking off what you're saying, I I want to see the film where those women are in her charge. Yeah, I kind of do too. And and what happens. That, I mean, that's really, that's sort of what interests me. But I, I think I was surprised by how, um, how subtle her performance was, and I wasn't expecting that. Yep. And I think it's because most of her performances are... They're not subtle. They're they're broad and they're big and they're stylized and um, and this one is very quiet. And she could have gone there, yeah. With yeah, you know, being a minister's wife in period costume, and she didn't. And it and this isn't a it's not a negative thing. It, her performance is wonderful. It surprised me, and it surprised me that it surprised me. Yeah. Right? I wasn't yeah. expecting. I wasn't expecting to expect anything from Meryl Streep. And so um, um, that was one thing that struck me. The other thing that struck me, and it had to have been, a, I kind of wonder what the choice was behind it, right at the last moment when she's sort of saying goodbye to Tommy Lee Jones, she has this final line where she's like, yeah, it's time for you to go now. And she gets very sort of snippy and irritated and kind of shifts out of that sweet minister wife mode. Mm, yeah. And reveals another side of the character. And it threw me a little bit because I, I think it's a moment of humor. It's like, you know, old man, get out of here. I got this. Yeah. But I think what ultimately happened is that it revealed another side of the character that made me question what it was going to be like for those women in that house. Oh, yeah. And it, again, it made me want to know what happened yeah. after the fact because it was sort of... Um, uh, harsher, more practical, uh, no-nonsense side of of that woman that you didn't see in the, those other moments. Yeah. It's just amazing to me how much she packs in five minutes. 
It is. That's why she's the best. And yeah, and she creates questions for me. And so I want to watch those stories. Right. And that's what's so amazing about her. Yeah. Is she's having, she's making me think about what's going on, uh, creating an entirely different world and a different film entirely based on five minutes of her performance. Yeah, the woman's brilliant. Yeah. No, she could have done, you know, Sister Mary Aloysius from Doubt, you know, part two. She could have resurrected that character, but she went another way. It's a soft, gentle performance. And, um, you know, we're both actors. And so it's that idea of part of me was thinking, you know, I wonder if it's harder when you're only in a couple minutes of a movie because... Uh, you know, the the idea of counterpoint, you know, if sometimes when you're in a play, if if somebody goes big, you go small intentionally, you know, so there's so there's a dimension. Right. Uh, but, you know, on a movie, of course, Meryl Streep wasn't there on the days when other people were filming. And, you know, so the idea of kind of making a small performance or, you know, that's not the right word, but I think you know what I mean. Like the idea of kind of a, a subtle performance um, in a movie that has some subtlety but it also has you know madness in it and it also has james mm-hmm. spader who's never once in his life been subtle you know um right this no, is actually definitely not in this film either well although this might be on like in his range this might be on the subtle side for him but it's not it's not <laughs> subtle um you know so so all that's neither here nor there it's just yeah she's the counterpoint that she creates whether it was intentional or just a great coincidence you know, she really fits in this. I also think it's very interesting that the the DVD box of this movie says Hillary Swank, Tommy Lee Jones, and Meryl Streep in The Homesman, and she's in it for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that name in there, uh, though. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a draw, but it's like, well, not quite. Yeah. Well, I I feel like we've we've sufficiently covered this one i'm i'm ready to move on if you are um where does this movie fit in your uh ranking right now in your meryl streep ranking system oh gosh you know what i didn't give that much thought before we recorded today um i would probably put the film as a whole towards the bottom uh performance wise i'm trying to think i can't remember what my what my bottom one was. Do you remember? I think we both had before and after at the bottom. I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, oh yeah, it's definitely. It's. A, I like her performance in this, so it's going to be before. It's going to be above before and after. Okay. Okay. I'm placing it. I can't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did look at my list before, and I'm putting it after the Deer Hunter and before. You know what? I was going to say in between the Deer Hunter and She Devil, but actually, I think I'm liking She Devil more than this. It's still such a small performance. I know. It definitely depends on how we're ranking. I mean, we're just going like, you know, film as a whole versus her performance, which I know we've talked about before. Yeah, we should probably decide, though, so our audience has some semblance of what we're doing. Um, do you have How an op- does everybody feel about us doing both? So we'll have two sets of rankings, like film, film as a whole, and then performance-wise. Let's do that. Let's do that. So here's, okay. here's what I'm thinking, because I wasn't prepared for that. Um, in the next episode, um, I'm going to... I'm going to give both my lists and I'll include this and the next movie that we do and we'll kind of have definitive yeah. lists. Okay, cool. Sorry, everybody. I'll do the same. And I'm going to actually have to, I'm actually going to have to go back and listen and see what I said. Oh, sure. Because <laughs> it might have changed. And also, guys, seriously, we're going through Meryl Street movies and I went back to look at our episode list and, you know, our second episode, we talked about Golden Globes and Adaptation and I can barely remember her performance in Adaptation because it's been, what, we did that in January or February. Right. So, I'm going to have to go back and revisit some of these things twice. I know. <laughs> well, and that, that idea too of like, maybe we can get a guest, you know, every now and then and maybe we'll get to yes. revisit some of those early ones. So, um, yeah, okay, so we'll we'll finish up the rankings, but we also, I, I keep asking you this question, and I already know the answer, but I'm just going to, for the sake of, uh, for the, out, of out of habit, I'm going to ask, does this film slot into the 10-film Meryl Streep starter pack? No. No, it doesn't mind either. I don't think we need to dwell on that. Okay. No. So, let's go on to our other segments. Uh, which would you rather do, the Six Degrees of Meryl Streep or the... Um, 
or the movie's Meryl was almost in? To a movie's Meryl was almost in. Okay. This is actually one of my, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies, uh, but it's weirdly and very bizarrely one that I revisit a lot. I don't know why, but I really like this movie. Um, she was almost Pat Nixon in the movie Nixon that Oliver Stone made in the mid-90s with uh, Anthony Hopkins as uh, Richard Nixon. Oh. Really? I don't know why. Yeah. Have I'll, you revisit this movie? I've never seen this movie. Yeah. It's it's like a three-hour long... See, I have this weird thing with, like, presidents. I love movies about presidents. And Oliver Stone has made <laughs> a couple of them. He made, um, he made yeah. JFK, too, which is another one that right. I revisit a lot. Um, I wasn't crazy about W when he did the George W. I think he didn't wait enough time on that one. I think if we'd have, right. you know, uh, George Bush might have even still been in office when that movie was made, or it was like right after it. You know, it was just like we Pretty needed close. a little bit of perspective. So, um, but I love those two movies. Joan Allen played the role, and she was great in the movie. Joan Allen is amazing. So, uh, you know, it, it would have been great with Meryl, but Joan Allen is wonderful too. So. I tried to find another yeah. one with Tommy Lee Jones, but I but I couldn't. Okay, cool. And then six degrees. So last time we picked Jenny Slate. Did you come up with any for for Jenny Slate? A connection? I did, but I had to cheat. Okay. So I I had to go on IMDb because I knew her from Obvious Child, and I knew she had been in Gifted. I um, and so I she was she had a small part in This Means War with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, that was mine, too. That was the only one I had, too. Yeah, and Chris Pine, and I thought of Chris Pine and Into the Woods. Yeah, well, and Reese Witherspoon in Rendition, and there's a third in that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, Is Tom Hardy? No. Done anything? Angela Bassett. Oh, I forgot she was in this means more. Angela Bassett is in uh, Music of the Heart. With, with Meryl. Right. Um, I, I thought of Tom Hardy, too. That's the only movie that I, off the top of my head, and I didn't I didn't bother to look at IMDb. Um, so that was that was mine, too. So I guess great minds think alike, right? Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought at least there's three connections in one movie, which is, which is pretty good. So um, do you want to tell folks who our next Six Degrees person is? We're going to do Brie Larson. Although, hey, Tom Hardy would be a good one, too, so stick that in your... Okay. Check that in on your list. Um, Yeah, next week we're going to do Brie Larson. Yeah. I love Brie Larson. I think she's really great. She's fantastic. Yeah. So. so I'm excited to do that one, and I can't think of something right off the top of my head. I can't either, because the movies that she's been in have been either, like, smaller independents. I saw her in uh, the King Kong movie, but... um, there's def I can't think of any like single connections. It was like Samuel L. Jackson and John Goodman in that, but they neither of them was ever in a movie with Meryl. So yeah, I'll, I'm gonna have to do some thinking. I'm excited. Cool. And then the movie that we're doing. Okay, so this movie was from 2014, something like that. So we're going back to the 70s, and I think actually we might have already yeah. tipped. Yeah, I think we might have tipped in a previous episode what the plan was. But just in case, Meryl, why don't you yeah. tell them what our next episode is? We're finally, finally getting to Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. So this will be another interesting one because this is one of the few ones that we've done so far where I think we're both very familiar with the movie. This is a movie that we've both seen multiple times, I think. So, um, yes, and it was my first exposure to Meryl Streep. Right. Right. So I think this will be uh, maybe a more in-depth one. Also, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with a lot to talk about. with Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and how he treated her and all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to revisit it. It's been a while, but I've seen that movie quite a few times. So the, the her first yeah. Oscar, too. So, hey, there you go. Yeah, it's a big one. It's yeah. a big one. It's a, it's a nice counterpoint to her five minutes in The Homesman. Yes. Yes, although she's not in Kramer versus Kramer the whole movie, you know she's in the beginning and then the end. Really but, um, but it's de- it's a very important performance, and uh, yeah, yeah, definitely more than the Holmesmen. So, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll be back with Kramer versus Kramer as soon as we can. That's all.